0: Good morning, everyone, and welcome to Bilhelvae this morning. We have a couple of visitors with us today. It's great to see you. You're more than welcome. Uh, Please stay for a coffee or a tea after the service uh, if you're able to. If I'm a wee bit out of breath, it's because I realized with two minutes to go that I had an edict to read this Sunday, so I had to run home to get it. Uh, Luckily, I'm just living over there and not down in Balmedie or Potterton. Um, But here is this edict that we have to read um, from the Presbytery of Gordon. Uh, it says, notice is hereby given that in connection with the Presbytery Mission Plan, the Presbytery Plan Review Group will present the proposed buildings categorisation of the new Presbytery Mission Plan to the Presbytery of Gordon at a special meeting on the 7th of June 2022. Each congregation is cited to attend in its own interest. Uh, the Presbytery will meet to consider this matter at Inverurie West Church on Tuesday, the 7th of June at 7.30 p.m. Uh, Congregations can address presbytery through their presbytery elder, minister, or enter a moderator or a designated spokesperson and all will be heard. Uh, Each congregation will be limited to speak for five minutes as per the standing orders of presbytery. By order of the presbytery, Ewan Glen, Presbytery Clerk. So at this stage um, it's looking like Wilhelvie is going to retain its buildings which is encouraging so I don't anticipate us needing to speak on this but um, Jeanette hopefully as Presbytery Elder and myself as Minister will be there uh, on your behalf to hear how things pan out Um, but uh, we need to read this over the next couple of weeks uh, just to maintain due order in the process so more about that no doubt as uh, time goes on Um, But just also before we begin, a wee word of thanks to folk who have uh, donated for our stall today down at the Balmery Gala. Um, I'll be nipping off pretty much straight after the service to go down and and help to man the stall. Um, So thanks to those who've donated bottles and thanks to those who are down today helping out. I think Alec and Alison and Jill Mitchell are holding the fort uh, for now. So we're going to begin our worship in the words of him 112 God whose almighty word, let's worship God together. Let's come before God in prayer now. Let us pray. One day we will see Lord. One day you who we can only sense in moments of stillness and describe with faltering words will be as real to us as the air that fills our lungs and the blood that runs through our veins. One day we will see, Lord. We'll see the world through your eyes, all secrets uncovered, all mysteries explained, all relationships restored. We'll see the canvas, the brushstrokes of creation, and as we draw back through time and space, the picture will resolve into that vision of beauty we've always sensed at the heart of things, but glimpse so rarely. One day, Lord. But for now, it's enough that you meet us as we are, complicated, short-sighted, messy people. People who forget, who make mistakes, who settle for less than the best far too often. People who lose the thread of life and end up tying themselves in knots for no reason. People capable of great kindness, And generosity for no other reason than we are made in your image. This is who we are. And we dare to believe that you love us as we are right in the middle of all our messiness and becoming. And we believe that you would rather have us honest and incomplete than pretending to be whole and living a lie. So, this morning we own those places within us where we struggle to bow the knee to you. The places where faith wrestles with doubt, hope with fear, faithfulness with indifference. And we ask for your help, for your forgiveness, and for a desire for you and all that you bring that helps to order our living. And more than that, we ask that you would take and use us as we are in your ongoing work of creation, governance, and redemption. The work started in Genesis and finished in Revelation, in which every human being can play his or her part. Thank you that you honour us with responsibility and respect our choices. Help us to live well and wisely in the world for its betterment and for your glory. And hear our prayers which we offer to you in the name of your dear Son, our Saviour, Jesus Christ, who taught us to pray together, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, Our reading this morning is taken from the book of Genesis, Genesis 32, reading verses 3 to 8, and then 22 to 32. And Meg Duncan is going to read for us.
1: Jacob prepares to meet Esau. Jacob also went on his way, and the angels of God met him. When Jacob saw them, he said, This is the camp of God. So he named the place Mahanim. Jacob sent messengers ahead of him to his brother Esau in the land of Seir, the country of Edom. He instructed them, This is what you are to say to my master Esau. Your servant Jacob says, I have been staying with Laban and have remained there till now. I have cattle and donkeys, sheep and goats, men servants and maidservants. Now I am sending this message to my Lord, that I may find favour in your eyes. When the messengers returned to Jacob, they said, We went to your brother Esau, and now he is coming to meet you, and four hundred men are with him. In great fear and distress, Jacob divided his people who were with him into two groups, and the flocks and herds and camels as well. He thought, if Esau comes and attacks one group, the group that is left may escape. That night, Jacob got up and took his two wives, his two maidservants and his 11 sons, and crossed the ford of the Jabbok. But Jacob replied, I will not let you go unless you bless me. The man asked him, What is your name? Jacob, he answered. Then the man said, Your name will no longer be Jacob, but Israel, because you have struggled with God and with men and have overcome. Jacob said, Please tell me your name. But he replied, Why do you ask my name? Then he blessed him there. So Jacob called the place Peniel, saying, It is because I saw God face to face, and yet my life was spared. The sun rose above him as he passed Peniel, and he was limping because of his hip. Therefore, to this day, the Israelites do not eat the tendon attached to the socket of the hip, because the socket of Jacob's hip was touched near the tendon. Amen.
0: Thanks, Meg. Our next hymn is number 211. Today I awake and God is before me. Let's take a moment to pray together now. Let's pray. Lord, what we do here each Sunday, week after week and year after year, is not merely a looking back to stories from another time. It's remembering that the God who was and is and is to come, the God who's at the center of all of these stories that we treasure in the scriptures is the same God who is with us now. And who knows intimately the contours of our lives, everything that we are living. So as we gather in this space with the the 10% of the iceberg showing above the water and the nine tenths underneath that nobody sees and nobody knows, We remember that you know, that you see, that you hear, that you understand. And we ask that through these words of scripture that we're contemplating today, you would speak through your spirit, a word into our lives to help and sustain us in all our living in all that's happening in our lives. So make this a powerful word from you today, for each one of us, because we ask it in Christ's name. Amen. That same night Jacob got up, took his two wives, his two concubines, and his eleven children, and crossed the river Jabbok. After he had sent them across, he also sent across all that he owned, but he stayed behind, alone. That last phrase hangs in the air, and I think it's meant to, he stayed behind, alone. In my mind's eye, I imagine Jacob standing still for a long time, watching as the caravans of his people and his animals trudged off into a future that he could not control. The usual hubbub of noise strangely subdued as evening took hold of the sky and wrung the last vestiges of color out of it. He watched them go, but he stayed behind, alone, alone with nothing but the babbling waters of the River Jabbok, the wind, and the rushes, and the calling of the night birds for company. And as they faded into the distance, there must have come a moment when he turned away from where the family had been and turn back to the business for which he had remained behind. And what that business was, the writer of Genesis 32 gives us no clue. But there's little doubt that taking stock and remembering how he'd got to this point in his life were a part of what he had stayed behind for. I imagine him perched on a boulder, overlooking the river as the sun sets. And although I know it's anachronistic, I picture him drawing deep on a cigarette and cupping its glow in his hands as he slowly sighs the smoke out into the night air. He's a man with a lot on his mind. For a man whose name, or whose new name that is shortly to be given, Israel, for a man whose name has entered into the the pantheon of history, Jacob was pretty far from the paragon of virtue that we expect our spiritual heroes to be. He was said to have emerged from the womb, grabbing his older twin brother Esau by the heel, and that's the literal meaning of the name Jacob. He grasps his heel. And a good part of Jacob's life up until this point has been spent in grasping and scheming and fighting. He was his mother's favorite, but he was always second to his brother Esau in his father's eyes. Esau was the alpha male, the hunter and provider. And being the elder son, the birthright and his father's blessing would be coming to him. But Esau was also a fool. He came in famished from the field one day, and he sold his birthright to Jacob with a binding oath for the price of a plate of stew. He forfeited the extra money and the status that were due to him as the elder son for the instant hit of a full belly not one of his finest decisions. But Jacob, in this incident, which hardly covers him with glory either, learns an important lesson. What he can't have by right, he can gain for himself through cunning. And so a trajectory for his life was set at that early age. Many years later, Jacob's father Isaac was old and blind and on the verge of death, and the time had come to pass on his blessing to Esau, his eldest. And in the world of that day, a blessing was much more than just a a vague expression of goodwill towards someone like wishing them well. A father's blessing was seen to be passing on something of the very essence of his soul to the one that he blessed. And this final blessing to a firstborn son was the most powerful of all, so much so that it couldn't be revoked once it had been given. And although that idea might seem strange to us, we know enough to realize that words that are spoken in deep love or in deep anger set things in motion within the human heart that can never be reversed. And chances are, you know what happened next in the story. Isaac, knowing that his time is short, sends Esau out hunting so he can prepare him one last tasty meal cooked with fresh game. And while he's away, Jacob and his mother hatch a plan. She covers Jacob's arms in goatskin to make him hairy like his brother, she puts Esau's robe on him so he smells like Esau, she cooks the kind of tasty food that Isaac wanted. And she sends Jacob in to steal his brother's blessing. And poor Isaac is taken in. He gives his blessing to Jacob and Esau comes back home to find himself left empty handed. And those empty hands soon curl into fists. Jacob has to run for his life And he headed far north to stay with his uncle Laban. And it was on that journey that he had his first encounter with God in a dream at Bethel. And there he saw a ladder spanning heaven and earth and angels descending and ascending on it. And we know, of course, that that was Jacob's ladder. Once he arrives with Laban, he falls in love with Laban's daughter, his cousin Rachel. And Laban says that Jacob can marry her in return for seven years' work in the farm. But Laban was no slouch in the art of deception himself, and he managed to switch his other daughter Leah for Rachel at the last moment. I'm guessing that veils or copious amounts of wine must have been involved somewhere. So for once, the deceiver gets deceived, and Jacob had to work another seven years to get the woman that he'd set his heart on. Needless to say, his relationship with his father-in-law wasn't exactly cordial after that. And things only got worse when, thanks to some creative animal husbandry, Jacob managed to get his flocks to thrive at the expense of Laban's. And eventually things got so bad between them that Jacob decided to do a runner and to head back home, knowing full well that at some point, he would have to face the wrath of his brother Esau. And that's where we find him in today's reading. Right on the cusp of that encounter that he has been dreading for years. Esau is coming out to meet him. And he has 400 men with him. And so Jacob sits alone on a rock by the river Jabbok, fearing the worst, fearing for his life and the lives of his household, who at that very moment could well be being slaughtered by his brother. Jacob, the arch manipulator, The cunning strategist has come to the end of his own considerable resources. And for all his success, he sits there as helpless in the face of what's about to happen as any man could possibly be. And it's then that God barrels into him and knocks him flying And so begins a scrap that makes John Wayne and Victor McLaglan's fight scene in The Quiet Man seem like a storm in a teacup. They wrestle all night. What are we to make of this strange account of what happened? Parts of the story seem mythic. The business of the assailant having to be gone before daybreak sounds like the old legends of demons or ghosts who can't stand the daylight. What do we make of the killer karate move that dislocates somebody's hip with a touch of a finger? And if Jacob's attacker were God, why did God find it so hard to overcome him and get away from him? And why does the attacker never actually say that he is God? Read the story carefully. This is all very odd. And I found myself wondering, and I have wondered for many years, if it's possible that the attacker was an ordinary man. But Jacob gave this encounter such significance, it was as though God himself were wrestling with him. And in fact, there's a part of me that wonders if this attacker, hidden in the darkness of night, might not have been Esau himself. He knew Jacob was on his way, He was probably longing for revenge. This feud had always been about the two of them. Maybe Esau wanted to settle it one to one, mano a mano, as they say in the movies. Was getting Jacob to a point where he had to beg for his blessing, some kind of compensation for Esau losing his father's blessing all those years ago? Was the assailant Keen to get away before dawn because he wanted to get one over in Jacob without being recognized? When Jacob said of this event, I saw God face to face, did he mean it literally or metaphorically? Was it just a poetic way of saying as he wrestled with this enemy, he knew that his life hung in the balance, that he was being judged? And I think it's fascinating that when the brothers meet in the light of the next day, One of the things that Jacob says to Esau is that to see his face is like seeing the face of God. Did Jacob realize in that moment just who he had been wrestling with all night? It's just a theory. Drop it if you don't like it. But here's something more important that I think we do need to hold on to from the story this morning. Like Jacob, sitting on a boulder by the river Jabbok, there are times in our lives when we get to the end of ourselves. No matter how resourceful or wise or cunning or able we might be, there come times when we can get no further under our own steam. We are literally at our wit's end. We cannot make that relationship work. We can't unravel the mess that life has become. We can't deal with the anger we feel about what happened. We can't hold things together any longer. We can't fix the problem. And it refuses to go away. These times come to all of us, believer and unbeliever alike. And in some ways... Those times are harder for the believer than the unbeliever because we believe in a God who we hold to be good. So where is he? What kind of a God sits back and lets this kind of thing happen? We ask ourselves. And so we may grow angry. And the wrestling begins. Days, weeks, months, maybe even years of it. Backwards and forwards, scrabbling to lay hold of some truth In the darkness to get a foothold in the scree to catch a clear glimpse of this God that we are struggling with but here's the thing that God's people have found through the generations and that's testified to in so many places in the scriptures although it's seen most clearly in today's story it's the wrestling that brings the blessing that brings us to a deeper understanding of the God that we love and that we worship. We don't have time this morning for me to run through the roll call of the Old and New Testament giants who discovered that truth. But think of Abraham and how he must have wrestled when God commanded him to sacrifice his only son Isaac, the son that he'd waited so long for. Or how Moses must have wrestled but God appeared to him in the burning bush and told him to go back to Egypt, the one place in the world he didn't want to go because he was a murderer, a fugitive, getting out of Egypt as quick as he could. And here's God saying, no, go back. I need you to rescue my people. Or think about how the psalmists wrestle time and time again with the seeming unfairness of life and the injustices that they saw around them. Or how Jesus wrestled in the Garden of Gethsemane, praying that what was before him could happen in some other way rather than having to go through the agony of the cross. Wrestling with God in the midst of all of that. But they hung on, they refused to let go and spent And exhausted though they were in the struggle, they found the blessing. God provided a ram for Abraham's sacrifice, and Isaac was spared. Moses found the strength to stand before Pharaoh and to lead the people out of captivity. The psalmists found deeper insights into the nature of the God that they worshipped, and Jesus found peace and committed his spirit into the hands of the God who can raise the dead. It's in the wrestling through all of life's difficult, difficult circumstances that we come to find the blessing. Perhaps You don't need to hear that today you might not be ready for this word yet but one day you will be because there will come a time when you find yourself like jacob alone and at the end of your resources because those times come to us all but maybe that's where some of you are this morning something has happened that's brought you to the end of yourself and called into question your whole idea of who God is and where life's going. I want you to hear me this morning, and I know this is hard to hear, but I want to tell you that this can actually paradoxically be a good place to be. Because in the struggle to understand and to hold on and to keep faith, we come to believe in a deeper way and to see our God with new eyes and the defeat of our anger or our doubt or our naivety ends up being a victory a great victory both for God and for ourselves but we don't come through it, unscathed. Nobody ever does when they tangle with God. The sun was bleeding over the horizon as Jacob gathered himself, dragged himself to his feet and set off in pursuit of his family and his brother limping as from now on he would always limp but blessed with a new name and a different identity Jacob the grasper had become Israel the one who grapples with God broken in body but sounder in soul And ready now to face with faith whatever the future might hold. Amen. We're going to uh, pray together again now and make our prayers for others. And Ali Cruikshank is going to lead us in our prayers.
2: <clears throat> Dear Lord, we sometimes find ourselves in a situation where it seems that you have abandoned us. We feel hopeless, lost, and we may question our faith. However, somehow we manage to come through these situations. We reflect and wonder how we achieved it. We re- realize that you were there with us all along, supporting us in the form of family and friends, and ultimately bringing us to a new point in our lives where we may have scars, but where things become clearer and we have a deeper understanding of your love. It may be we find ourselves in a situation after certain events that we feel angry and seek revenge. Dear Lord, please still our hearts, help us forgive, and put our trust in your wisdom to bring closure to the situation. Dear Lord, we pray for everyone affected by the school shootings in Texas. With so many questions and thoughts going round in their heads, they are at the beginning of a time in their lives we have just referred to. We pray that they can get some comfort and feel your love from the outpouring of grief from people around the world. And we pray that in the days, weeks and months ahead, they feel your presence and that after wrestling with their anger, doubts and grief, that they can find some sort of peace. We pray that this tragedy will lead to changes that reduce the occurrence of these terrible events. Dear Lord, we pray for the many conflicts around the world and pray for peace. And in particular, we pray for an end to the senseless destruction and loss of innocent lives in the Ukraine. Dear Father, we pray for our young folk who are sitting or have have recently finished exams We pray that they have managed to achieve their full potential and that you guide them in their choices for future studies and potential careers. It is such a challenging time for young people who may not be sure what they really want to do in life. We pray that you guide them to find employment that gives them fulfillment and a sense of purpose. Dear Lord, we pray for people battling illness and pray that they are cured. We also pray for people with terminal illness that you may bring comfort to them and their families. We pray for people who have been bereaved. We pray that they can find comfort in the knowledge that for their loved ones who have passed, that their suffering is now over and that they are in your tender care, reunited with our family and friends that have gone before them. Let us now take a moment to remember the people in our hearts who are sick, anxious, lonely, or bereaved. And finally, we pray for the Balmere Gala this afternoon, and in particular, the success of the church bottle stall so that we can reach out to more people in the community. Amen.
0: Thanks, Ali. We close our worship now in the words of hymn number 270. Put all your trust in God. now go in peace to love and to serve the Lord and the blessing of God Almighty the Father the Son and the Holy Spirit be with you all now and forevermore.